behind every smiling face that walks through the door of a church, there's a past. There's problems, there's sins, there's regrets, there's divorce, there's arrest records, there's addictions. That's real life. I I like going into church and smiling and waving at everybody and everybody comes up to me and saying, how are you doing? And, you know, they do that to you and say, man, it's good to see you. Welcome to church. God bless you. How are you doing? Man, Christ is risen. And they're walking up to you and you're going, how are you? And you just respond naturally. Everything is great. And you're lying. It's what we do. Yeah, it's, it's the same thing of everything that we do in life. We try to cover up the real us so that nobody can see our problems. Why do you think people dye their hair? Why do you think we wear black clothes that are untucked and all these things? that we, Why do you think women would go in the bathroom and spend 45 minutes putting on their makeup to do what? I don't have wrinkles. Yes, you do. <laughs> We, we, that's what we do. That's why we go up to the mirror and say, does this look, make me look fat? It, it's clothes is just covering up the real us. It, it, is, it is just what we do as humans. We, we do not want people to know what we're covering up. The problems that we have. The truth. I, I want to read a passage today. And and I want you to turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 7. And I'm I'm just going to tell you the real us. Say the real us, you're going to get all the the, the guests and those coming in for Easter Sunday. No, when I I say the real us, I don't care if you've been in this church since the day it opened. This is the real us. I'm going to read for you guys who we are in Romans chapter 7. Because a lot of times we get this idea that I'm the only one that struggles and everybody else has it together. And you're sitting there in your pew thinking, boy, nobody else struggles with their marriage. And nobody else struggled on Friday night trying to say no to what everybody else is doing. And nobody has the problem. Newsflash, every person here made of flesh struggles. To the point where, listen, listen. I'm going to ask you today, I, I, I want us to stand together. And I, I don't want you getting stiff. You guys are sitting in cushioned seats and you're going to try to fall asleep on me, all right? So let's all stand together. And we're going to read God's Word today. And I've got stuff up here. If you fall asleep in our nice cushy chairs, I'll just throw something at you. In the name of Jesus and in love, of course. But uh, let's read together. You tell me if this doesn't sound like us. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal. Or you guys that don't understand this, when it says, for I am carnal, do you know what that means? The word carnal means flesh. If you are made of flesh today, and yes, you all are, then this passage right here is talking to you. It says, but the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. I've got a debt on me. I, I, am, I am constrained and, and, and in, infected. With an awful disease called sin. And then he just lays it out. He said, let me tell you what that does in my life. For that which I do, allow not. For what I would, that I do not. But what I hate, that's what I do. Then I do that which I would not. And I consent to the law that is good. Now then it is no more I that do it. But sin that dwelleth in me. 
You, you guys know what I'm saying. It's like, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. You do it. Because you are controlled by something called sin. Now then, it is no more that I do, but sin that dwelleth within me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me. The desire is there. I have the drive. I have the desire. The, the will is present with me. But how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would do, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Let's pray. Father, if there is a passage in the scripture. In the word of God today that we could all sit there and say, I identify and I know what that means. It's this. And Lord, I just pray, Lord, that you'll help us to grab hold of, Lord, what you were trying to say. Lord, we just want to be, Lord, fed of the word of God this morning for us to, to hear from you. Lord, I, I'm glad that I get to be the pastor and I'm glad that I get to read this. But Lord, my words are not going to change any of us. But Lord, the verses that we'll read today can change people's lives. We pray this in your name. Amen. You can be seated. You know what Paul was doing? Paul was describing our, let, let's just put it like this, our undesirable condition. See, in me, in my flesh, I stand before a righteous, perfect, holy God. He, he is without sin, the spotless lamb. He's got it all together, creator of all, holy, righteous. You know where we got those words and you say they were just repeating those words over, worthy, worthy, worthy. Look it up in the Bible. Do you know what they cry out to God in Revelation? Holy, 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 worthy, worthy, worthy is our God. And then here's me over here. I can't even, I can't even stick on a diet for two days in a row. I, I, I can't resist Oreo cookies. Me, me and Pastor Joe were talking that we have this neutral addiction. We're going to start going to the recovery group on Friday nights. I, I, I was trying to do better. This, this suit is a little smaller than I should have bought a suit. And I was waiting for this day. And I tried it on a couple of weeks ago. And it didn't fit right. The, the material has shrunk over the, being in the closet. You know how that works. You guys know what I'm saying? How just the moisture in the air shrinks your suit. Yeah. So, it was either that or the Oreos, Joe. I, I don't know which one it is. But I, I'm sitting there, and, and, and Jen, I went home, and she, she had Oreos on the counter, and she got two kinds, birthday cake, which is two thumbs up, and then the normal kind, which is three thumbs up. I don't know how that would work, but I'm just saying they're awesome. Okay, so today we've had a cookie theme, haven't we? Just, so I, I walk into the house, and I'm telling Jen, I said, I'm trying to be good. I'm not going to eat those cookies. You can just close it up. I, I have no desire for that. And I walked over there, and you know, you know how it is. It's not going to hurt to have a cookie, you know what I'm saying? But there, the cookies are in these rows. I had an entire row of cookies, the whole thing, okay? I'm sitting there, by the end of the time, I'm grabbing them out of the kids' hands and running in there, you know, just like, look like some kind of crazy, deprived animal over there. And you guys are all laughing at me. Let me tell you, the reason why you struggled putting on your Easter clothes today is the same reason. Might not have been Oreos, but it was something. We, we, we say, I'm going to do better. I'm going to change. I'm not going to eat like that. I'm going to change my habits. I'm going to do all these things. We all say it, but just like Paul said, the things that I know to do that is right, those are the things I don't do. 
I'm not, I'm not going to cuss anymore. I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm giving up smoking. I'm giving up drinking. I'm, doing, I'm giving up those things that defile my body. I'm, I'm going to live holy and righteous before God. Go out on a date. I'm not, we're we're going to live righteous. We're going to date right. We're going to honor God. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to lose my temper with my wife anymore. I'm not going to yell at my kids anymore. I'm not going to those places. I'm going to start standing up and saying, what's right? When you get in that spot, you do it immediately. No time. And so you're like, what is wrong with me? Why, why can't I get a grip on this? Because the Bible said in verse 18, for I know that in me that is my flesh dwelleth no good thing for the good that I would I do not, but the evil which I would not that I do. And the truth is this, it says in verse 17, but, the, but sin that dwelleth in me. Can I, can I tell you guys just, just the straight up truth? The reason that we do the things that we do and don't sit there and judge and think anybody's better than anybody else. You got that? Just because some of you guys come here every Sunday and some of you guys drop in every once in a while doesn't mean anybody's better than anybody else. We have this idea that I'm going to go to church and that's going to make me a better person. Going to church is not going to make you a better person. I I, am telling you, we've got the wrong perspective of doing certain actions. Here's the thing. You are a sinner. And I am a sinner. Every person that has ever been born is born into sin. We will battle with our flesh. We're born into sin. We've fallen short of the glory of God. You cannot change the fact of what you want to be because you are cursed with sin. So, wow, that's, yay, came to church on Easter Sunday. (laughs) This is great. Let me roll into this next part that just baffles me. It it rolls into his unmatched pursuit. See, the thing is, I've heard the story of the cross. You know, isn't it amazing how when we're growing up and we hear the the Easter story, and every one of you, let let me tell you, I would not doubt that every person here could tell what this day is about. We tell our kids, this is it, Jesus Christ died on the cross, and he, he, he died for our sins, and he loves you that much, for God so loved the world. And we just repeat it, and we, we say it, and our kids in Sunday school are sitting there going, wow, the God of the universe came down and took on flesh, and he was perfect, and he never did anything, and man rose up and went against him, and they crucified him on the cross, and he died for you that your sins could be paid for. And then we stand back at kids and go, wow. But let's, let's just be truthful. For us as adults, we step back and go, why? I mean, that sounds good. I, I, I'm, I'm going to sit there and tell you, yes, God's a good God, and I can repeat the words, but you know what keeps us out of church? You know what keeps us from going to the altar? You know what keeps us from actually crying out to God? Because the reality of it is we don't fully believe that. If you fully believed with that, you would run to God, but we don't. We stand ashamed of who we truly are. I'm embarrassed of my mistakes. That's why we cover it up. That's why Adam and Eve sinned and they ran and took fig leaves, covered themselves and hid in the garden because our sin makes us ashamed. It is. If I was to stand any of you up right now and I'm going to say, I'm going to tell every person here every detail of your week, you would sit there and drop your head and don't do that. 
I don't, I don't want my kids to know. I don't want my wife to know. If I was to be able to put on the screen every thought we had, you would drop your head and say, don't do it, please. The thing is, God knows it all. He knows your thoughts. He knows the reason why you thought it. He knows your hate. He knows how you've been mad and frustrated. He knows that there's no joy of God in your life. He already knows. And yet, this unmatched pursuit of me, I'm just not buying it. When Jen and I were in Bible college, we went there and we went three years with zero kids. Do you guys know that your life changes after kids? Did anybody know that? You know, you're going on vacation, you're holding hands and love on your wife. And we, we, we'd get up, we, we'd be working one, late one night and we'd just like, it's 2 a.m. I said, you know what, I'm hungry. We'd just go out to eat. I mean, we just... That, that life of being in that honeymoon stage and not having responsibilities and then you have kids and you're driving down the road and they go, I gotta go potty. Okay, we'll stop soon. All right, we gotta go. I think I'm gonna be sick. Oh, is your stomach? And then you hear that noise. You guys know what that noise is? It's like, no! And it's not that you're worried about them being sick. You're thinking of cleaning that carpet. I, you can sit there and go, that's just horrible. No! Have you ever tried to clean out? My kids one time, uh, what a... Somebody here, God bless your soul, whoever you were, but somebody at church gave my son a half-gallon jug of chocolate milk. He put it in the car, never brought it in the house, slid underneath the seat of the car, got hot, busted, all over, half-gallon of chocolate milk. Went all through, uh, underneath the carpet of your car, there's all these little channels and metal and all this stuff. It went through the whole car, okay? Like the bubonic plague, just right through. And one day I got in there and was like, honey, doesn't it smell something? The next day I was like, honey, seriously, the third day we couldn't even drive the car anymore. I vacuumed it out. We ended up having to take the carpet out, the seats out of it, and clean it all this. And he's just like, don't get me wrong. I love my kids, but I'm telling you, life changes with kids. So we're out to eat with this couple. No kids. We're sitting there having a great time. And, and they're, they're sitting there, and they, they brought their kids. They're Bible college students, but they brought all their kids. We're sitting there, smiling, holding hands, you know, da, da, da. And, and one of their kids decides to down an entire cheese stick without chewing it. You have to chew, chew cheese sticks. I don't know if you guys knew that, okay? And this kid just swallows this cheese, and he's turning blue in different colors. And I'm sitting there watching, and I, I don't have kids. I don't know if that's normal, you know. I'm just like, I'm like, should your kid be blue? You know, just whatever. And he starts hitting the table and moving all over. And those, th- those two parents were like superheroes. They like jumped over the table and grabbed him. The other one picked him up. The other one slapping him. And cheese stick goes everywhere, okay? Old faithful right there in this restaurant. And here I am just looking down at my meal that I paid a lot of money for going, no. I was glad that he lived. Don't get me wrong. But I paid like nine bucks for that meal. Lost. All of my appetite. And I am just sitting there going, what a waste. And they're over there loving on this kid and kissing his face. And all this goo is everywhere. And I'm like, what are you doing? I told my wife, I said, man, I want kids one day. But not like that. Until I had my first. And I'm in that hospital and that baby's coming out and. And I'm, 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 I'm holding my baby for the first time in that delivery room. And they say, you want to go with them as we clean them up? I say, yeah. And I take, take them back, and I'm in there, and I'm, I'm just, man, I'm just crying. 
And I mean, I, I'm not an easy crier. And I'm just, I'm sitting there and I'm just, I'm so moved. I was so, so moved. And I, I was like, I, I got him and I'm sitting in that room after there and I'm just holding him and I'm wiping his face and he'd start to cry and I'd be like, is that normal? Is that, you know, I'm just like, before that I was scared. I, I didn't even like the idea. And, and then, then God blessed me with two more kids and some of you don't know my kids, but they have a picture of my family. And God blessed me with these three kids. And, and let me tell you, the, the, the time is flying by and, and I, 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 can't, I can't begin to tell you the love that I have for these kids. I can't begin. Now, they don't get it. I'll get up in the middle of the night and I'll just, I'll just walk in their rooms and I'm, I'm checking on my kids and I, I find them sleeping on toys and halfway off the bed and turn around and I'm like, how does that happen? You know, just like, and I, I go in there and I switch them and I fit the, the cover them up and I kiss them on the cheek and I make sure their covers are there and I get the toys out and I... And do all this thing and I walk out and never once do they wake up and go, thank you, Father. That, that is much more relaxing now. And just, <laughs> never. But here's the thing. That's not why I do it. They don't even know. Half the time, they don't even know. But I, I'm going to keep doing it because I love them. And sometimes my kids do crazy things like leave chocolate milk in the van. <laughs> and it's, and sometimes they were like, Dad, I didn't know that thing would pop. I didn't know. I mean, all these things are like, what were you thinking? I, we, my kid had a, his bike, and he leaned it up against the van with no rubber stop on it. And then we have these electric doors on it. And he opened the electric door, and it caught the, the, the handlebar. And it went, all the way down to the metal, all the way back. And it's just sitting there, and these kids are sitting there going, Dad's going to kill us. And I wanted to. So preachers aren't supposed to do that. I'm flesh, remember, we just read it. It's who I am. Perfect illustration of falling short. Let me tell you, my kids will never understand how much I love them. They just can't. Something that nobody has to call me up and say, did you feed your kids today? Did you, did, did you tell them you love them? Whatever. I've got to drive inside of my life to do those things for my kids that you won't ever know. And they sit there on the other side and I get up and I work and I take care of them and I clean up when they make messes and we do all of those things. And the whole reason why is because I love them so much. And they don't get it. They don't get it. You say, what does that have to do with this? Romans 8, just change the page. Romans 8, verse 15. I'm just, see, the reason why I'm going through Romans is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John tell the story of the cross and the resurrection, but Romans tells you the why. He, he, the Romans is going to tell you what was on his mind. We always say, when, when he was on the cross, I was on his mind. That sounds great in a song, but here's where we prove it. Now listen to this passage. Romans 8, 15. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. Let me tell you, I know he is God, but God says, let me break this down on your level. But ye have received the spirit, capital S, God, his Holy Spirit of adoption, whereby we cry out, Abba, Father. That is a cry out, Dad, Daddy. He goes on and he says, the spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. You know why I'm saying this? Because sometimes we paint the whole picture this way. The whole picture is painted, holy, righteous judge, awful, deprived sinners. Is that true? 
Oh, yes, holy, righteous judge. We are sinners. Sometimes it's creator and creation. And God said no when it comes to salvation. It was heavenly father and my children. You want to know his motivation? You want to understand the love of God? You want to know why the Bible says for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross? Because he loves us as his children. The Bible says we are fearfully and wonderfully made. My children were brought into this world through, through our relationship of marriage because Jen and I wanted children. I love them. I want them. If they get off track, I'll chase them. If they get lost, I'll go after them. Nothing will ever stop that. I tell my kids, I'll tell you what, you, you might make mistakes, and I don't know what their future holds. They might get off path. They might get out in the world. They might do something that throws them in jail. But let me tell you, dad's going to be knocking on the bars of that jail to say, dad still loves you. I will not stop loving you. It's not because I'm told. It's because of who I am. I am the father. They are my children. I love them because of who they are. Something you need to change your perspective. It's not just sinner and savior. It's father and child. And then we get to the last point. I looked at my undesirable condition. I'm a mess. Have you ever just thought, man, I'm a mess? Have you ever told your friends, man, I'm a mess? I'm a mess in my finances or I'm a mess with my parenting. I'm a mess in my relationship. I'm a mess with my attitude. I'm a mess. Just a mess. You, know, you need to understand that God stepped into our mess. Do you realize that that's what that was? Some of you probably cringed. I hope you did. You thought, I can't believe they showed that video in church. Guy at the end takes his wife and shoves her against the wall and goes, oh my goodness, you know what? That's real life. That's the garbage in this world that's all around us. That's what was on his mind when he went to the cross. Surely he hath borne my grief and carried my sorrow. They stripped him. They stripped him and nailed a perfect God to a cross. And the shame and the sin and the hate and the anger, all of it was there on purpose because that's what the cross was. He said, but why? Because of his unstoppable love. So that's just a cute little quote that they came up with. No, that's Bible. The Old Testament. They had this thing called the sacrifice. And you don't get it. I don't get it. Take an animal. It's done nothing. Take its life. Put it on an altar. Send the presence up to God of what we did. Then that was what they did. But it went back to the fact that we fell short, Adam and Eve, Eve did, in something, there's a payment to sin. Every time that animal died, it was proving that there's a payment to sin. But that's what they did. They, they, they established this, the sacrifice. Well, then God wanted to take it a step further. God established this thing where he said to build me a temple. And God said, I don't want to dwell in a temple made with hands and rocks. This is not the house of God. Oh, I can't believe you said, no, 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 no. In the New Testament, he said, you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. 
when you leave here today, he leaves with you. When you come in here, he's here because you're here. He, he doesn't have a bedroom in the back of the church. He doesn't hang out in the lounge room. That's not God. We are the temple of the Holy Ghost. And the Bible said that I desire to be among my people. And so he told Moses to establish this tabernacle, this temple. And it was huge and it was elaborate and it was visual. It was a visual. It was so that we could see what he was talking about. And they built these walls and they would go inside there and they would make the sacrifice there. But there was something different about this. In the last part of it, in the back of it, there was a place called the Holy of Holies. And it was called the Holy of Holies because in God dwelled in that place. And it was, it was sinless. It was a place of perfection. It was a place that was without sin. It was the Holy of Holies. And the ark was in there. And God said, I want you to build a wall in front of it. And the wall was 60 feet tall, 30 feet wide, 3 inches thick. It was called the veil. And they established this veil and they did it. And the priest would go in. And they would do the, the, all their ceremonial things and he'd go up to that wall, but he couldn't go beyond the wall. And on the other side of that wall was the presence of God, the Shekinah glory of God. God would dwell with him in, in the Old Testament. He talked about how the fire of God would come down, the presence of God, but they could not get to God because that veil represented the sin that they had in their life. And God made a grace with them once a year. Once a year, God said, you can send the high priest in. And once a year, he would make what we would call atonement. He would go among the people, and he'd walk outside the people, and he'd find a precious lamb, and he'd take that lamb, and he'd go in, and he'd kill that lamb. He would cleanse himself top to bottom. But wear all white linen, and this ephod, and all these things that it would do, it was just showing that, that even in our condition, we have to come clean before God. This is a crazy thing. In all of his perfection of cleaning himself up, he would take the blood of that lamb, get it on his hands, and he'd walk in there once a year, and he'd sprinkle the blood of that animal on the mercy seat or on the ark. And that would give temporary covering of the act of obedience over their sin. Now, the Ark of the Covenant, that was crazy. Inside it was the Ten Commandments. And it started off with something, but it was the Ten Commandments. And the Ten Commandments was there to prove that they had fallen short. None of us are perfect. We've all fallen short. Every one of us have broken one of the Ten Commandments. And in the presence of God was that reminder that we've fallen short. And he would take the blood and he'd sprinkle it on the lid of that, saying, please forgive us. But every year they'd go back and go back and go back because it was just the blood of an animal. 1,600 years later, God was born in a manger on purpose. The Lamb of God. John the Baptist saw him coming 33 years later when he was in his 30 years later starting his adult ministry. And John the Baptist cried out and said, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. Jesus lived his life. And you know what? Let me tell you about our condition. Sinners. 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 We're sinners. And in their flesh they turned around and said, We will not bow to you. You are not our God. And eventually they arrested Jesus and they took him to the cross. And at the cross, they decided to take his life. And here's what happened. 
They, they laid him at the cross. And I'm done. Please, please keep with me. They laid him down on the cross and they lifted him up. For six hours. Bible, the Bible, in the sixth hour. The Bible says that he cried out these words. My God, my God. Jesus said this. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You say, why did that happen? Because God turned his back on his son. Because God took all the sin that is represented in this room and he put it on his son and God turned his back. And the Bible says from the sixth hour to the ninth hour, darkness came over. You know what it was like? It's like Satan stepping in going, no. All that sin, the trash, and the memories, and the past, everything was laid on God. Yours, your sin, it was on Jesus. The Bible said that it got dark from the sixth hour to the ninth hour. It's like Satan creeping in. And at the end of that, Jesus cried out these words, and he said, It is finished. You say, what does that mean? The Lamb of God was slain on the altar, and they didn't get it. You say, what happened after that? What happened after that? Where did Jesus go? Next verse says in Hebrews, the Christ becoming that high priest, the one in white, the one that cleansed himself of good things that come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered once. He only had to die once. His blood was perfect, without sin, without blemish. He entered once. He kicked through that veil. He put his blood on our sin. He turned to the Father and said, paid in full, never ever can anything separate me from the love of my children. That verse says we received eternal redemption. And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he yielded up the ghost. And behold, the veil, listen to this, that which represented, that thing that represented that man could not enter into the presence of God. Man's sin that was separated him from God could not enter. And God at that time when he said, son, is it done? Dad, it's done. God reached down from heaven. The Bible says that he rent it in half from top to bottom. You know how that's possible? When God does it, God said, no longer is there separation between man and the presence of God. He said, but you don't know me. You know, God knew you were going to say that. God, God knew you was going to say, like, you don't know what I've done. You don't know my past. You don't know who I hang out with. God says, here's the thing. And Romans keeps going, and he says this. Who shall separate us from the love of God? He said, name it. Name it. Sit there, big boy, right now and say, oh, I've been part of a lie and I've been, I've been in gangs and I've lied to my mom and I've cheated on my spouse and I've done this and I did this. And he, Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? God said, I took all of that. He went on to say, nay, in all of these we are more than conquerors through him, through his unstoppable love. Listen to this, for I am persuaded that neither death, he kicked the door of that tomb out and said, yeah, I'm done with that. He's like, 
One day you're going to die. One day you are going to die. You say, well, when I'm dying, when I'm dead, it's over. No, it's not. Because you're going somewhere forever. But see the thing, he overcame through the love of God death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, or the devil, or power, or things the present, or things that come. He forgave you of what you did do and what you're going to do on the cross of Calvary. What can separate us from the love of God? I don't know who you are, and you're right. But I know this. He that cometh to God must believe that he is. And he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. See, without believing all this, and all it is is an Easter, come and sit in a seat thing and listen to what we're saying, not good enough. It is a gift of God. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God. He extends that gift to you as a father giving a gift to his children. I paid the price for this. The sacrifice has been made. I've done it all, but the only way you will ever receive that gift of God is to take it with your hands and accept the gift of God. That's it. So now it comes down to you. One day when you die, are you going to die in that condition? Falling short? sin I know me and you know you without God you're not ready to meet him today he will be your heavenly father and your savior but that day he'll be your judge so why would a loving God do that no a loving God did that a loving God died he took it all with heads bowed and eyes closed let me tell you I believe God's working right now in these in the sanctuary, I, be- I believe the Spirit of God pricked your heart. And the thing is, we go through the motions, we play the games, we go through it all, but don't- I'm asking you this. Do you have things settled in your hearts? Do you know that you know that you know Him as your Heavenly Father? I'm not asking if you attend church. I'm not asking what denomination you are. I'm not asking who your mom and dad was. I'm asking you personally to your heart. Do you know that you know Him? As your personal Savior. If you were to die today, would your name be written in the Lamb's Book of Life? Have you ever came to the point in your life where you cried out and asked God to forgive you? 